Good morning. We'd like to welcome you here to the house of the Lord as we come together as God's people, as brothers and sisters, to sing his praises and learn about him. Please stand and join us as we begin our service by singing to our God. Never grow 
Seated above, enthroned in the Father's love, destined to die, poured out for all mankind. God's only Son, perfect and spotless one, He never sinned. But suffered as if he did. All authority, every victory is yours. All authority, every victory is yours. Worthy of honor and glory, worthy of 
Father, we are here today because you have overcome, and we worship you, we honor you, we glorify you as the Lord of all. We pray that our worship today would would not only bring glory to you, but in that glory would draw us closer to you and to one another, and we pray this through Christ, amen. Greet one another in the name of Christ.
I want to uh, mention to you an opportunity that uh, we are, in which we're participating with the, the Wesleyan Church as a whole, a community Bible experience. There's information on the back of your bulletin about it. It is a 40-day reading of the New Testament. And what makes this unique is that, uh, first of all, we're doing it with churches around the world, but also uh, the, uh, the Bible that's been uh, produced for this is not in the same order as our typical New Testament, but it's, uh, it's written a little more chronologically. For instance, it begins with Luke and then moves to Acts and then moves on to other, uh, others of the books of the New Testament. And so because of that, uh, the readings are a little bit different than you might find if you were reading through the New Testament in other ways. So we have created a, a bookmark and, uh, that you can pick up. There's uh, a number of them in the back table if you want to participate. We'd love to have you do that. And it has daily readings. It begins Ash Wednesday, which is March 5th, and goes through the season of Lent. It's 40 days of, re- of, of reading through the New Testament. Um, traditionally, Sundays are not considered uh, part of Lent because they are all many Easter's. And so, so it's uh, 40 days, and that would be the week, uh, five, six days a week, excluding Sundays. So we'd love to have you participate in this. If you would like one of the Bibles that have been published for this, uh, the campus store at the college is selling those, and uh, you can pick those up up there, and uh, you know, you're welcome to do that. You can also look on the, the Wesleyan Church website and to get more information. But we also uh, have this available to you with the scripture readings, and we'd love to have you participate in this. If we run out of these, uh, let us know. We'll make some more for next Sunday. It starts the Wednesday after that. Uh, I'm also, it's also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit us to something that I have no idea how to do this, so I'm hoping there's somebody who does know how to do it. But I'm thinking it might, some people might want the readings emailed to you each morning. I would suspect there's a way to do that. Um, I get those things. So we'll try to figure that out. Um, I'll, I'll hand that off to somebody who knows. So we'll do our best. If you want to do that, you can let, uh, let us know uh, at the church office or one of the pastors, and we'll try to put that together for you. Uh, also, we are still collecting cards for our faith promise. We are almost to our goal of $30,000. If you haven't yet turned in your card, I encourage you to do that over the next few weeks. And uh, our goal, again, is to get to that 30000 mark. And there are a number of prayer concerns in the bulletin. We want to pray for families that have experienced recent deaths. We pray for Ruth Hutton's family and her funeral yesterday. Also, uh, for Steve Castor's family, his uh, arrangements will be this weekend, as you see in the bulletin. Visitation Friday and the service next Saturday morning here at 10 o'clock. There are other concerns and burdens, both our congregation and the world, and uh, we ask for God's grace in each of those. We're going to ask the ushers to come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. Stoplight, he can't be bothered by the hard cry written on the cardboard in her hands. Oh, but when she looks him in the eye, his heart is broken open wide, and he feels the hand of God reach out through him as heaven touches earth. Oh, 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 we bring the kingdom come. 
Christ help us carry you alive in us. Your light shines through with every act of love. We bring the kingdom come. table he wants to talk but he's not able for all the shame that's locked him deep inside oh but her words are the medicine when she says they can begin again and forgiveness will set him free tonight as heaven touches earth oh 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 we bring the kingdom come Help us carry you alive in us. Your light shines through with every act of love. We bring the kingdom come. God put a million, million doors in the world for his love to walk through. One of those doors is you. I said, God put a million, million doors in the world for his love to walk through. One of those doors is you. moments when we pray together, if you'd like to use the altar rail as a place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, we thank you that You hear us when we pray. Today we come and offer prayers for people who are feeling an overwhelming sense of loss, who live with a a daily sense of dread, who feel overwhelmed by life and quite frankly see no way out of it. In our wrestling, fill us with the acute awareness that you are with us in every moment. We pray for all who grieve today. For Ruth Hutton's family, for Steve Castor's family. For all who are living with with the ongoing pain of loss that sometimes sneaks up on us. That eats away at us consumes us, 
burdens us. We pray that you will comfort our grieving hearts with your presence and with your peace. Father, we pray for all for whom injury, disease, surgery, treatments, all the other kinds of difficulties that come because our bodies are not perfect. We pray especially today, Father, for Donna and Bill and John and for Bev and Edna, for Linda and Micah, for Bonnie, for Crystal and Bill and Emily, and for others who are struggling with the burdens of this life. May each one know your healing grace. Father, we pray for each other through life's disappointments and unfulfilled dreams and our uncertainty about the future. All of those unknown things that cause us to worry and fear and even to doubt. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, through your loving kindness, help us catch a glimpse of your goodness that may have felt difficult to see. And Father, for those relationships, or more accurately, I guess, those unresolved conflicts in our relationships, we pray that through the miraculous presence of your Spirit, we will find a way, a healthy way, to patience, mercy, truth, hope, forgiveness. Give us grace to be to one another what you created us to be. And Father, we continue to pray for the burdens of the world. The leaders of governments who are attempting to rule with justice and righteousness, but find it more difficult than they could have imagined. And for places of war and conflict, in your power, we pray that you will bring peace that you alone can bring. Father, we pray that you will continue to turn us from self-centered living to Christ-centered living. Give us eyes to see what you're doing in the world and to be your servants as you call us. Use us to touch the lives of others, to be a presence for love and mercy and grace with our words, our actions, all of our lives. We pray this through the grace, through the mercy, through the power of Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
This morning's scripture can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 14. And following the scripture, children may be dismissed for Children's Church and Junior Church. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. After I go through Macedonia, I will come to you, for I will be going through Macedonia. Perhaps I will stay with you a while, or even spend the winter, so that you can help me on my journey wherever I go. I do not want to see you now and make only a passing visit. I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. If Timothy comes to you, if Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. No one, then, should refuse to accept him. Send him on his way in peace, so that he may return to me. I am expecting him along with the brothers. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Do everything in love. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand and join us as we sing together. Come praise and glorify our God, the Father of our Lord. In Christ he has in heavenly realms his blessings on us For pure and blameless in his sight, he destined us to be.
morning. Only one company makes the genuine overhead door. And for the people who install and service them, nothing else will do. To make sure you're getting the genuine, the original overhead door, look for the red ribbon. A, uh, an, a commercial for uh, you to buy an overhead door. Though we have one, it seems to be okay. I just am intrigued by how they start that scene. That uh, as you wake up in the morning, all of these doors around the house are opening. And there's something about that that I think is, is, is symbolic of life. That every day when we wake up, every day when we, we leave our homes or what, stay in our homes, there are all kinds of doors open for us. There are all kinds of doors of opportunity that are open for us. And sometimes we see them and we get it, and sometimes we don't. But every day, God is presenting us with open doors of opportunity. And the question that is, that is in front of us is, what are we doing about those doors? Are we walking through them, or are we hesitant to do that what are we doing with the doors of opportunity that god presents to us every single day it is this is really what i think is in paul's mind as he writes these last words of greeting to the corinthians as he concludes this letter paul has years earlier paul's gone to corinth He uh, preached the gospel there. He was the catalyst that the Spirit used to to start the church in Corinth. And these people are very important to him. He cares deeply for them. And he spends more than a year in Corinth establishing the church and and getting people together and, and training leaders. And then he goes off, as he always does, into other places. And after he leaves, he discovers that problems have arisen in the church as they do in all the churches. I mean, Paul writes the letters of the New Testament because there are problems in these churches that he needs to deal with. And every church has problems because it's people. I know it's hard to believe, but even our church fits that mold. Anytime you put people into a group together, there are going to be, there's a potential for problems. And the church at Corinth is no different. Some of their problems are, are pretty big. Pretty serious problems. And Paul writes this letter to address them. And as he gets to the end, he says to them, I really want to come and see you. And I'm planning to come and see you. You're important to me. I care about you. I want to come because, quite frankly, there are some things that, pretty serious things we need to talk through. There's some things that that I think the Spirit needs to say through me to you. But I also want to come because I want, to, I want to pour out love on you. And I want to encourage you. And I want to help you as the church of Christ in this great city. He says, but there's a problem. I can't come to you right now. I'm in Ephesus. And I can't come to Corinth. And the reason he can't come is not because he's in chains. 
because the Romans have captured him and he can't do anything about it. The reason he can't come is not because he, he doesn't have funding to travel. It's not because he's afraid to make the trip. He says, I'm not coming right now. I'm not even planning to come right now. Because God has opened this great door of opportunity for me in Ephesus. And I need to stay here. And because I stay here, I can't come there. It's a principle of, of, the, of God's open doors. That if he opens a door to one place, it's going to mean that if we walk through that door, we won't walk through other doors. You say, well, of course. But stop and think about how many times you have sensed God leading you in a direction he wants you to go. And it's the opposite direction that you want to go. And the tug of war that takes place. Most of us want to walk through doors that we have designed, doors that we have created, doors that look better to us than God's doors. And when God says, here's the open door, I want you to walk through it, and we have other ideas in mind, it's tough to turn our backs on what we want and walk through his door. We are much more apt, instead of walking through the open door God's put before us, we are much more apt to push, shove, break down the doors that we want to walk through. And then we say, what happened? I think back to to when I was in my my senior year of high school, we were living in, in Indiana, and I was ready to, to go to college in Pennsylvania. Had all the plans made up to go to Bible college there. And my parents felt a call to missions and ended up moving, deciding they were going to move to Oregon. And through a series of events, I ended up going with them. And instead of going to the Bible school in Pennsylvania, where all my friends were going, I ended up in Oregon, and I didn't know anybody. I ended up at George Fox, and I can tell you I was not happy about it. I moped and pouted for a long time. But quite frankly, it didn't take too long before I began to realize that the door I thought was so great really wasn't. And the door that God had opened through my parents' decision was the best door possible. And it was life-changing for me. But I didn't really want to walk through it. It was the last thing I wanted to do. And I fought it and I struggled with it. But I can look back now and say I wouldn't trade that for anything. It was a gift of God that I couldn't have dreamed how good it would have turned out. And sometimes, I think often, when God opens a door before us, it's going to mean we have to make a decision about walking through his door or walking through the doors that we want. Which way we're going to go. What makes that so difficult often is because walking through God's door, more often than not, doesn't look as appealing in the moment as the doors that we have created. A lot of times the doors that God opens look difficult and hard and they're a struggle because quite frankly, that's often what they are. 
And Paul says to the Corinthians, I'm going to stay here in Ephesus as God has opened this door. And there is great opposition to me and the ministry here. Now, I would not typically think that God opens up a door for great opportunity for ministry and it's connected to great opposition. I would think it'd be the other way around. If you walk through God's open doors, then this is going to be awesome. God has eliminated all the opposition. God's eliminated all the difficulties. And that's what makes his door so appealing to us. If we walk through God's door, we don't have to face all that stuff. And Paul seems to be saying exactly the opposite. That if we walk through God's door, there is a really good chance we're going to face opposition. And struggle and difficulties. Church Father Chrysostom said, of course Paul would equate walking through God's open doors and opposition. Because when you walk through God's open doors... You're doing what God wants, and the enemy's trying to keep us from doing what God wants. And so he's going to fight against us. And instead of thinking we're going to walk through God's doors into this idyllic pasture where everything is nice and comfortable and easy, we ought to prepare ourselves for walking through God's door is going to be hard. There's going to be opposition. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be struggle. And we want to say, but Lord, I walked through your door. I realize that. But this is what it means to walk through many of my open doors. It means we're going to have difficulties. It means we're going to struggle. I was reading one of uh, Andy Stanley's books not too long ago. He's pastor of a huge kind of conglomerate of churches in Atlanta. And he said that, that he's been talking to his people recently about the way that they pray for themselves. And he said, when I think about how easy our lives are here in America and how difficult our, the lives of our brothers and sisters are in so many places of the world... And all the struggles that they go through and the difficulties that they face. He said, I've been telling people, look, stop praying for God to make your lives easy. Stop praying for God to protect you from difficulties. He said, actually, it's kind of embarrassing when you think about everything that our brothers and sisters are going through. Now, I don't know that we need to get to the place where we say, I'm going to stop praying for God to protect us. But there is something about this sense of if we follow God, we expect our lives to be easy. We expect our lives to be problem-free. We expect our lives to be, uh, to be like this, you know, this idyllic pasture that never, where we never have any trouble. And all you have to do is read church history. All you have to do is read the book of Acts, read the Gospels, read the prophets. And you see that's simply not the case. Because walking through God's open doors is putting ourselves in a place where the enemy is going to oppose us and difficulties are going to arise. But some of the greatest things in the world come out of difficulties. And Paul isn't afraid to stay in Ephesus and walk through this open door that God has given him because even though it involves trouble, he says, it's okay. When he writes to the Philippians, he says, look, 
brothers and sisters, I want you to know that my chains, God's used my chains to advance the gospel. I'm, I'm locked up here and I've got these guards around me 24 hours a day and I have a captive audience to tell them about Jesus. And as the guards change, I just have more people to tell about Jesus. And because of my chains and because of how God is, uh, is using my chains for, with these people, the church here has also been encouraged. And they're getting stronger. And God is using my chains for great things for the kingdom. And I wonder if sometimes if, if the most profound work we do for the kingdom is going to take place through facing difficulties. I mean, when, when we walk through open doors of ministry, open doors of serving people and caring for people and giving of ourselves to people, where do we walk? We walk through places where the need is the greatest. God's not going to lead us to open doors to ministry to people who don't need ministry. He opens doors for great ministry to people who need it the most. And that's going to place us with people and in situations that, where we may find opposition to the gospel or people who are apathetic to the gospel, people who need the gospel and people who act like they, have, they don't know Jesus just like they should act. And God puts us in those places to be salt and light and a presence for him. And where do the greatest miracles happen? In the places where the greatest miracles are needed. He's just asking us to walk through the door. Think about Jesus' life. If all Jesus had to do was just make nice with the religious people. And he could have lived a long time. He could have been prosperous on this earth. He probably never would have ended up on a cross. Everything would have been easy. But instead, his doors of ministry and opportunity are to the people no one else wants. It's to the tax collectors who work for the Roman government. It's to prostitutes. It's to outcasts, to lepers, to people that everybody else says, we don't want to be around them. These people are worthless. Those are the very people around whom Jesus builds the kingdom. The greatest need presents the greatest opportunity for God to work great miracles. And I have found through the years that most of the time, these doors of great opportunity for ministry are things that start small. They're just small things. You know, we, we sometimes think, well, okay, if I'm going to have to do difficult stuff, it better be big. I want to change the whole world. And, and we think of it in those terms. I'll walk through this door, Lord, but it, it better, I better see some big results from this. And I think most of the time, that's not what happens. Most of the time, God is simply saying, you walk through this little door of opportunity and we'll take it from there. It's the small stuff. It's the everyday stuff. Quite frankly, sometimes it's the mundane stuff. I don't know if you noticed the announcement in the bulletin about needing 
Sunday school teachers and children's church workers the next couple of Sundays when college is on break and some of the people who regularly do that are going to be gone. It strikes me as I was thinking about that that these are perfect examples of open doors of ministry. Working with children, helping them know Jesus, loving Jesus, investing ourselves in them. Who knows what will come out of that? But that's not really our responsibility. That's God's. And it seems to me that the problem should not be, boy, we, have, we are pulling teeth to try to find a few people to fill those roles. The problem ought to be we have to turn people away because everybody wants to do it. Everyone's saying, let me, let me, let me. Because we see these opportunities for ministry and we're jumping at them. And yes, there's balance to it. We talked about Sabbath last week, and we have to, you know, we need to be cautious, but I suspect for a lot of us, that's not really the issue. The issue is simply being willing to invest ourselves in the small things, in the everyday things, in people who may or may not ever be able to repay us whose lives may or may not ever amount to great things. We may, may never see the kinds of results that we're hoping to see, but that's not our responsibility. Our responsibility is to walk through the open door. That's what God is calling us to. I keep coming back to Matthew 25, where Jesus talks about how The people who will be welcomed into his kingdom with open arms treated him in a welcoming, loving way. And they say to him, Lord, when did we ever treat you that way? And he says, when you gave the thirsty something to drink, when you gave the hungry something to eat, when you gave clothes to the naked, when you gave shelter to the homeless, when you saw people in need and you cared enough to do something about it, you were doing that for me. Walking through open doors is really just simply having a mindset of being a presence of love for Christ in this world. And that takes on a whole lot of dynamics. It will mean different things for all of us as we use our gifts and our abilities. But it will also mean walking through open doors for ministry that may not be our gifts. They may not fit our abilities, but there's a need and we see the need and we walk through the door. Because it's the right thing to do. You may not be a person who who knows how to, to teach children, but you can love them. You may not be a person who knows how to work with youth, but you can love them. And you can support the people who do know how to work with youth. You may not feel comfortable going to the nursing home, but you do it because there are people who have needs. It's about people in our church, it's about our neighbors, it's about the people we encounter in our, in our jobs. It doesn't really matter where the people are or who they are. It's walking through the open doors that God puts before us.
And one of the questions that often arises is how do we know when God is opening a door for us? How do we know if the door is shut or closed? Well, it strikes me that sometimes it's, I mean, it's a lot simpler than we realize, or at least we want to admit. It struck me that sometimes for some of us, I think we see God's open doors, walking through those and discerning them as if we're playing that, that old TV game show, Let's Make a Deal. Remember that show? I didn't realize this till this week. It's still on. I didn't even know that. You know, it, it's still on. 10 o'clock on weekday mornings, right before the price is right. But if you remember that show or have ever seen it, people come dressed in wild costumes because they're trying to get the attention of the host, which in my childhood was Monty Hall. Now I think it's Wayne Brady. And trying to get the attention of the host. And so these people dress in these crazy costumes and they get chosen and, and they are given some kind of gift. They get $100 or a blender or something. And then they have the chance to make a deal. They can keep it or they can trade it for what's in the box on the tray where Jay is standing or behind the curtain where Carol Merrill is standing. What do you want to do? And the whole time the crowd's yelling at them about what to do and people, you know, screaming and, and they make a choice. And, what, and when they make the choice, they might trade up or they might trade down. They might give up something small and get something awesome. They might give up something awesome and see a donkey back there or a rusted out old car. You never know what's behind the door. And you get to the end of it, and it's the big deal of the day. And, and with the big deal of the day, two contestants have before them the three doors. And the famous question is, what do you want? You want what's behind door number one, or behind door number two, or behind door number three? And they have to pick. And all the while, you can see them hoping, praying that they pick the right door. I just hope that I get the right door and I win the prize. And I think sometimes that's how we view the open doors of ministry that God puts before us. I hope I do the right thing. I hope I walk through the right door. I hope I don't mess this up. And all the while, this door is just standing wide open in front of us. And all we got to do is just take a step and we're through. It's really not that complicated. We don't have to wonder. We just have to be willing. And how do we discern those doors? A lot of it's just having to want to. It's just having a willing heart. It's having a mind that says, Lord, I I want to walk through every open door that you put before me. And if that's our mindset, it's amazing how easily the doors are to see and to perceive. And a lot of it is just simply, there's a need and we respond. And if for some reason, God doesn't want us walking through that door, we have to leave it up to him to close it. Otherwise, it's there, let's do it. And whether anybody else knows about it, doesn't matter. Whether it changes the world, doesn't matter. Because ultimately, if we walk through those doors, God will do something amazing in other people 
and in us. Because every time we walk through an open door of ministry, we become a little bit more like Jesus. We act a little bit more like Jesus. And the doors become clearer and wider and easier to walk through. John Wesley was the quintessential proper Anglican. He was a, a priest in the, in the Anglican church in the 18th century. And in his mind, anything that God would do for the kingdom took place in the church. In fact, he wrote in his journal one day that he couldn't imagine anything good of the kingdom happening outside of the church. He said, in fact, if someone said they, they were saved in any setting outside the church, he said, I think that would be a sin. And then he brought, God brought George Whitfield into his life. And, and George Whitfield had this practice of preaching outside the church. And he'd go out to where the miners were before they went into the mines. And he'd preach to them early in the morning. And he'd go out in the fields and the, and the city streets and the squares of the towns. And he would preach the gospel. And Wesley thought this was just horrific. That's not what you do. But God began to work on his heart. And one day he realized, that's an open door and I'm missing it. And so he wrote in his journal, I determined to do something more vile than I had ever done before. And he went out and he found a a, a grassy knoll out on a hillside and he began to preach. And 3,000 people showed up. And scholars will tell us that there are, there are a number of dynamics about what Wesley did that made the Methodist movement what it was. So, so influential and instrumental in England and the world. But one of those key elements was Wesley's willingness to walk through that door and to go out into a field and preach the gospel. And because Wesley did that, great things happened. But also because Wesley did that, he was ridiculed. He was, rocks were thrown at him. Rotten fruit was thrown at him. All kinds of things happened negatively to him. But God used it for tremendous good. I don't know exactly what open door might be standing before you today. But I think probably there's something for all of us. What is it that's making us hesitant to walk through it? Is it fear? Is it anxiety? Does the door seem a little too menial? A little too dull? A little too unimportant? A little too insignificant? A little too dangerous. God has placed an open door of ministry before us. Will we walk through it? In this moment of silence, 
want to ponder, give us a moment to ponder that door and our response. Father, we want to thank you for the doors that you've placed before us, that you have, through your spirit, confidence in us, that you can use us. We can be channels for your ministry in this world and bringing your kingdom to come in this world and for doing the work of your spirit in this world. Great or small in our eyes, wide or narrow in our eyes. Father, give us courage and grace to walk through the doors that you place and open before us. And we pray this through Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand and join us as we sing. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the week and say that they are strong in the strength that God has given with shields of faith and belt of truth we stand against the devil's lies an army bold whose battle cry is love reaching out to those in darkness our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor, and with the sword that makes the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor, we can face with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure, and Christ will have the price for which he died, and inheritance of nations. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet, as the Son of God is stricken. Then see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet, for the conqueror has risen. And Christ emerges from the grave. The 
grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.